then it clicked for me. But it's actually on the same pavement as women getting blamed when they're raped. 100%. When you limit abortions, you don't stop them from happening. Nope. You just force women mm -hmm. into to, to risk their lives, basically. Time is money. So spend yours listening to me talk about things that are important to me and my people. That's Time is money. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Maya's Minutes. This is the sixth series with the stunningly great Miranda. And we are on the third episode. I appreciate you thus far if you've come to all of the episodes. I recommend you go back and listen to every single series and every single episode in the series, especially this series. Trigger warning, we are speaking about a very serious and controversial topic, abortion. So please be aware if you continue to listen. And if you would like a little reminder of what we spoke about last episode, there's a little snippet playing now. I think it's like often taken out of context Honestly. like this woman induced a late abortion you just hear the headline and you think oh my god that's really bad but you don't know the context there could be a health complication that she found out and she just was too terrified and didn't you know, have the mental capacity to deal with that fair enough so thank you for joining let's get going hi how are you doing yes glad to be back going to be a juicy couple eps so I'm excited to how are you feeling after the last in. recording it's heavy um, isn't it? it is heavy and then sometimes you like overthink like things that you've said and then you're thinking don't know if I even got that point across or if people are going to think I'm a psychopath for thinking a certain way or mm. people are going to be really offended but it's just one of those subjects isn't it where it's just like you're just you're going to upset certain people 100%. and does that mean that you shouldn't be having the conversation I think absolutely not. You've got to have these conversations. I totally agree. Exactly that same. And I think as well, like I was quite alarmed. I don't normally, but in between us recording, there's about a week difference. Mm. And I shared on Myers Minutes Instagram that I was recording this series with you because I wanted us to uh, get people's input and like what questions do you have? Mm. Where are you with everything? And I was quite alarmed that I felt like a lot of people were shy to ask or speak on this. And that to me just proved even more that we need to have it. We need to have this conversation because yeah. otherwise, how else are we going to get past, you know, the shame? Feelings of like fear, judgment and all the negative stuff that we need to talk about. And I was very alarmed when I did research and to how little research there is. There's just not really any studies done to any of this. It's Ooh. like, okay, yeah, we need, we know how many people get abortions, but even how it was written, that I found this study of this, I think it was based in Scotland, and it was like, this amount of babies killed by abortion, Ooh. this amount of mothers killed their babies through abortion. The it's language. Like, why are you saying it like that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I did find as well that the highest percentage of abortion was with girls under 20, mm -hmm. which was quite sad for me because I feel like the all the experiences I've had of, of friends who've had abortions have been that age under yeah. 20 and in those cases I've seen the long lasting effects it's had on them but then it also made me think of you when you were saying how the ones that you had when you were a teenager were not really like didn't really have much of a psychological effect on you because you were so like I need to have this this is it kind of thing yeah. um whereas the one that you've had later slightly later in life is the one where you say you did grapple with it and there was a lot of like should I shan't I guilt and that kind of stuff and then I also found something that was really interesting to me which was that 
if women had a wanted quote-unquote abortion then the there didn't seem to be many um psychological lasting effects it's when it was unwanted mm-hmm. and i know you were just about to say how do you quantify unwanted yeah what unwanted? is an unwanted abortion i guess i i guess some women are forced into having an abortion say if their partner is forcing them into it i'm assuming right. that's what they mean or do they say it like they're just unsure about whether they want it or not and is that do they class that as an unwanted abortion yeah so when i read that my first thought was the first thing you said which is that you want this baby but your partner is not in some cases not even partner person who you had sex with Mm -hmm. is not on it and therefore you feel pushed and bullied into it um also i feel like it's a thing where because you at the point it's so circumstantial you could have been pregnant under 20 you could have said, do you know what? I'm not going to have this baby because there's other things I want to be doing with my life right now and I can't do this. You then have the abortion. You have the, as any woman would, feelings of, you know, just whatever your feelings are. Maybe you feel a bit guilty. Maybe you feel like shocked. Maybe you feel just overwhelmed, whatever it might be. You then may not do some of the things that you said or thought you were going to do which was the justification you had to yourself as to why you were getting this abortion. Mm. So if you said, I'm not going to do this because I want to go traveling this year. Yeah. And then for some reason, traveling didn't happen. Yeah. You might not feel, oh God, I should have done it. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I guess that leads me to my next question, which is how do you know this is what you want to do? So how do you know whether having an abortion is the right or wrong decision? Yeah. And I remember in the last episode you said, there is no incorrect decision. So whatever you choose to do in that moment, you you chose to either keep the baby or you chose to have an abortion. And that served you correctly in that moment. Mm. And I think if you start thinking of like, there's a right or wrong decision when you're making the, the decision to have an abortion, it makes it so much harder so you have to get rid of that notion altogether that there is a wrong decision to be made it's not like after you take this action on the other side of that action suddenly a door opens and it tells you wrong Mm. or right Mm. it doesn't exist the decision has been done it's been made you can't undo it whether Mm. you keep the baby or you or you have an abortion you're there now yeah so you made the correct decision in that moment. And it's just about receiving the correct support afterwards, mm. I believe. Just know that like a lot of women listening to this are, are going to be comforted by that mm. because it's true. It's everything you just said is, is 100% true. Like you cannot do anything to undo this. No. All you can do is is work through whatever you're feeling right now. Yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah, well, that I mean... it's tougher. There are services, right? So... Um, as soon as you have the abortion or while you're going through that process, you'll get offered services um, pointed in the right direction and signposted towards people that are there to support and help you afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. But I think often the mistake that's made, and it happened to me after my birth and after my abortions, you get signposted straight away. And you know, when like you're in the thick of something, you're still sort of processing it. You don't really know how you're affected by it. And then months down the line, 
you've lost all that information. You don't really know how to access it anymore. So I feel like really what would be super useful is having someone do like a follow-up call with you like six months or nine months down the line just to check in. Hey, how are you doing after your abortion? Do you need to be signposted towards any services that can help you or support you? Are you being supported by your friends like or your family? Just that follow-up a few months down the line after you've processed what has happened and... Um, I think that would be really helpful. Also, also conversation, right? right? Like conversations like this are really important to destigmatize abortions because really what happens is, say if you're a, a woman that has had an abortion and you've not spoken to anyone about it and it was the right decision for you in that moment, but because you've not spoken to anyone about it, you suddenly carry all this guilt and shame. And you don't really know that you're even carrying it, but if you can have that conversation and offload to people or just hear people talking about it, you, it just helps you to process. So I think the, the number one thing is opening up that conversation and destigmatizing it. Mm. I don't know if we're best placed to answer this, but a question I got when I put it up and said, anyone got any questions, is where or how do you navigate abortion if you are religious? Mm. Because I have had friends who have been in this situation where they are religious, um, various religions, and in their religion, it very clearly states that it's a sin to abort but they do still feel like God is the thing that's helped them through the whole process. So how do you reconcile that? Where do you go with that? Yeah. And the reason I'm asking is because you mentioned on the previous episode, your mum's quite religious. She was brought up Catholic, yeah. She's not like practicing anymore, but she was definitely brought up Catholic. And funnily enough, when I had my first abortion I was going to church as well wow, okay. I I was like a born-again Christian I'm not Christian anymore but I was a born-again Christian at that time um and I struggled with it I guess but if you believe that God has created everything I know not all religions think that but some do right sure God's created everything. God puts people in your life to help you through certain things. Mm -hmm. Then surely you believe that about modern medicine, mm -hmm. right? So God has created these things to, has, God has created the opportunity to have an abortion, mm. right? He's created modern medicine. He's created these incredibly intelligent people that have, um, you know, created that process to for women's health. And so... I feel like I could sort of reconcile myself that way. Mm -hmm. If if God didn't want abortions to exist, he wouldn't have let it, he wouldn't have created it basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not religious. It's difficult. Also, I think it does come to a point where you you have to think, I, I have to, say if you're religious and I mean, this is a different point, I guess, but God believes in forgiveness, mm. right? So say if, you know, you can't really do the mental gymnastics for that first point, but you know that God loves you mm -hmm. and God forgives. Mm -hmm. And if you can turn to God in this time and say, I did this sinful, quote unquote, sinful thing. Can you forgive me? He's never going to say no. 
right? Mm. But again, it's so hard for me to even think that way because I just cannot fathom it being sinful. But yeah, no, no. But I yeah, get, I appreciate what you're saying. And like you said as well, at the time on one of yours, you were mm. religious and you did struggle with it. So you can relate a bit in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that because obviously it's completely to- like off topic, but religion and culture are so commonly intertwined. Mm. So even though the, the religion religion may not explicitly say that you can't do that, the culture does. So then you're confused as to have I done something against my religion? Have I done something against like you don't really know? It's just overwhelming in the whole scheme of things anyway. But mm. that's an added thing that you're feeling like, oh my God, about like you don't know how to navigate it basically i guess as well in like there's no religious scripture that says surely abortion is a sin right because when the scriptures were written there was no thing as abortion Mm. so what it is is murder right murder is a sin Mm. and do you believe that you that abortion is murder Mm. see i truthfully do not Mm. there's some people that are anti-abortion and they really truly to their bones think Mm -hmm. abortion is murder i don't think that a fetus is a life yet mm-hmm. I think it's the beginning mm-hmm. it's cells that are forming mm-hmm. and eventually it does become a life mm-hmm. but in those early stages I truly truly do not think that that is a real life mm-hmm. and that is really nicely brings me to what gestational period mm. or gestational limit actually means so again through doing the research isn't it mind-blowing that none of this is taught Surely it should be taught, you know, but I digress. <laughs> the lack of information. So, yeah, I didn't know what gestational limit was and you mentioned it last episode, so I thought I'd better find out. And essentially what it is, is the um, time you've been pregnant and gestation obviously means uh, being pregnant, creating life or growing life. And the gestational limit means how pregnant you can be when trying to seek an abortion. And in the UK, it's 24 weeks. And in Ireland, it's 20 weeks. Mm. And when I started rooting around, I was absolutely mind blown at how in so many places, it's so much less, so many countries, let alone prohibited altogether, some places. And it's just so conditional. And the reason I started, when I say that, I mean like, you can have an abortion if mother's life's in danger. Can have an abortion if socioeconomic situation means that you have to. You can all of these reasons. It's very if, 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 like mm. you said. And I think that is so true to how it is that we see abortion now, because so many of us, myself included, is was very much a you can have an abortion if this happens or if you're in that kind of circumstance or when that happens, then it's okay, but only then. And if it's coming from laws. And then already ingrained in people's minds, like no wonder we speak about it this way and there's the shame and there's the stigma. So I think abortion is one of those very tricky topics because if you think of another social or political issue, maybe if we put it that way, like knife crime, for example, Mm. if you ask the majority of minority men who are the people who are typecasted as being the ones who carry knives and stab people and all the rest of it, they will say that the actual overwhelming reality is that there's a lot less knife crime than is put out in the media and that is done on purpose to make people feel a certain way etc whereas abortion is something that is put out there to be stigmatized and people feel like oh god this is really bad and then people also believe it 
So it's like you don't even have to do much because people already believe that, at least with other um, political or social issues, the real people who are in those situations don't believe it. And they know this is just being done for another reason or to typecast me or Mm. stereotype me. But with abortion, the women are internalizing this themselves and they think, oh, gosh, yeah, I am so bad. I am the worst. I have done all of these things. Yeah. And again, it's just lack of conversation because the pressure to stay silent when you have an abortion and I felt that, you know, when I spoke out about it mm. and the backlash I got. I was just about to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah, people were really, they. I got told, you know, why can't you just shut up and do it in silence? I got told that by someone that I know. Mm. And it's heartbreaking to think that so many women feel that mm. already. Um, and that's what keeps it so stigmatized Mm. it's that pressure to to shut up can you talk me through your because the video i saw when you said about you know the the one that i think broke the internet um this was your most recent abortion that video that isn't the first time you've spoke about abortions so where what was your process when was it that you were like okay i'm going to do this like why what led to that? How did you do that? Because you're also in the fitness industry, which I don't want to say is one of the worst industries to speak about these things, but typically it doesn't really go very skin deep, does it? No, you yeah. Know what I mean, we only really talk Fair. about like how we're feeling, what we're eating, and how we're feeling as in like today I feel strong, today tomorrow I feel weak, like I'm right. feeling doms, like that kind of <laughs> stuff. It's not very, and I've experienced this as well because I've spoke quite openly about race and about. Um, the political situation with race and how women and ethnic minorities and that kind of stuff. And I felt the backlash on those kind of things. So something like abortion, I can only imagine. But I remember my process where I was just like, no, I've got this platform. I'm going to talk about this. This affects me. People here want to hear about this. They obviously don't have the ability to articulate confidence, environment, whatever Mm. that lets them do this. I need to do this. What was your reason or process honestly there was no process the first time I spoke about it I didn't know that it was taboo still oh wow I didn't realize I kind of just didn't I never thought about it Mm. so I back in the day I was working at this gym and every Friday I would run a charity class so my Friday evening class whatever I earned from it I would donate to different charities and they were always women focused and one week I was supporting a pro-abortion charity because it was when the whole island conversation was going on and Fine. lots of protests there must have been back Excuse in 2018 I yeah research. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know that's the first time I spoke about my abortions that I had and I received a really like overwhelming amount of support from women and men turning up to that class and donating like extra money to help support it So I really didn't receive any backlash at all. I think um, maybe because I just spoke a little bit about abortions that I'd had when I was younger. Right. I wasn't... So it fitted into people's conditions of when it's allowed. She was a teenager. She's allowed to have one. Mm. And and look what she's doing with her life now. Yeah. So exactly. People were in support of it. Um, And then everything happened with the... Roe versus Wade and I spoke about it again but again people are once removed from America Mm. and they think how awful that is Mm -hmm. and they can see women's rights being taken away so they support that Um, and then 
the next time I spoke about it was, yeah, um, when I was in the thick of it and I just thought, okay, I'm about to have this abortion. I think this is a good time to speak about it. Um, I was very nervous because um, I knew it was different. I knew so, that I would be expected to keep this baby. Right. So much there. The first thing is the actual video was so confronting for someone with my kind of mindset, which was limited at the time, mm -hmm. because you were speaking so casually. And I've been so indoctrinated to think you should be so ashamed. That was it. And you were like, yeah, not for me. Nah, this isn't the best thing for me right now. And I'm not going to do it. Unapologetic. And it was so like, like I said, I, that's why I wanted you to come on because I was so moved by it. Yeah. And so many, it, like for a course of a week, I watched it like 17 times because mm. each time I had a different reaction. Mm. The first time it was like complete shock. I just couldn't even breathe while watching it. The second time I was just like, oh my God, but like the third, like surely like, you know, all of those like judgments. And then the next time I was like, but what is she saying that's wrong? Everything she said is right. She was at risk. She didn't want to do this. It's a massive thing. Look how she parents her child now. She's going to want to do that again, if not more, for the next one. And if she feels she can't do that, why shouldn't? She, why should she not? And it was just. It really took me on a journey. And obviously, if you haven't already, recommend that you watch it. But so, question. Sorry, yes. before I forget. Like, I had a a, a lot of people say that to me. Mm. You're saying it so casually. Mm. You're saying it just like a sneeze. Mm. What do you want from me? Do you want me to be sobbing? Yeah. Will that make you feel better? Yes. Like, do you want me to tell you how ashamed I yeah. am? How guilty I feel? Mm. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. I say at the start, this is a difficult decision mm -hmm. because I could do it, mm. but I just don't want to. Yeah, that's the thing, the want. Yeah. People are like, how dare she the listen of to it. what she wants? This is what you have to do. Like, it, it was, that's what it was. Yeah. It was, and this is why it's so important to normalise because it's true. Yeah. Why should you feel? I'm not a baby making machine. No. I've, I've got more to give. I've got more to give in my life than just popping out babies. Um, and the number one thing people will say, well, I'll just use contraception then. Mm. Hold my hands up. Fucking yeah, babe. I, yeah, should have done that. But what I say is everyone makes mistakes, right? Shit happens all the time. You, you fuck up. You make stupid mistakes. Should you then live facing that mistake every single day for the rest of your life should you because you fucked up then bring a life into this world like absolutely not and everyone should example, have the chance to put that right you gave the example of how when you get a cold no one says to you well why didn't you wrap up why didn't you take this why didn't you that why didn't you that and when you said that as well that was another like tick yeah. in my growth <laughs> where I was like yeah you're right the, the amount of times I've done stupid things that I knew could lead to me getting in you know hurt or ill or blah 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 and when that happens do I get told off no, no. I get comforted I get health support mm, I get whatever yeah. I need why is it in this case this is what happens and it's just when you saw that when I saw that that you posted then it clicked for me that this is only no, I don't want to. I was going to say it's only a hop, skip, and a jump away, but it's actually on the same pavement as women getting blamed when they're raped. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy to blame the woman. 
when women are like, you know, I, it's, that is still, so, we're so far with that. Like we're still so far. The concept that you can be a woman and even be in the middle of doing something intimate and then say, I don't want to continue. And then if it is, or you are, you have to, or you're made to, that being uh, wrong is still not something that everybody knows. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, we're so far away with that conversation. But the fact that no matter what, it always comes down to, well, what was she wearing? Why did she go down that road? Why was this happening? Why was that happening? Is just like, you've had an abortion. Well, why didn't you wear contraception? Why didn't you take this? Why didn't you take that? Why did you talk about it? All on you. And you're going through this really traumatic thing. Why is no one, why is that not understood? Yeah. But I'm saying that as a person who's been in that situation, who did watch that and think, oh God, third. Like, mm -hmm. you just can't help but think, it's irresponsible when you mm -hmm. hear the number. But then you're not thinking of the context. Like you said, you yeah. were on contraception the first two times. You were under a certain age. It's not like, and as well, we have the contraception blame. We all know the very poor guidance we have on contraception. It's not like anybody sits us down and explains what we should know, which is, you know, things about cycle, things about you specifically, how to track your periods, what that means, what that fluid means, how to have the conversation with men that maybe you should put a condom on. Am I allergic to latex condoms as most <laughs> women are? Yeah. Like, how do I do that? Like, there's so much that we know, but we still go straight to, why didn't you wear a condom? Or why didn't you do this? And it's always the one that like, most people don't wear condoms. Let's be honest. Like, we just no. don't. <laughs> so why is that what we're saying we should be doing? Because you wouldn't do that. No. You, like, you probably wouldn't even take the pill. You probably don't even want to do any. Nobody wants to do these things, but we do it. And then if somebody has, if somebody has an accident like you did and was unlucky like you were, we jump down their throat. Yeah. There's so much judgment. Just, we just needs, I feel like the world in general just needs more compassion towards people so so easy to like look and judge and say well I would do this or I I do this and you should be doing that there's context to everything another question that you got was um how do I start this conversation with my friends yeah it's difficult yeah so say if you've had an abortion and you want to talk to your friends about it I if I look at my friendship group I mean, I don't know if my friendship group is quite unique, but like we're very open in general and we we do talk about sex and wanking and boys and shitting and just everything. Mm. Uh, so if you find that you are actually in like a, like a very different friendship group, you feel quite judged by your friends. I mean, firstly, maybe look for some new friends. If you feel like they are going to judge you for it, or you know they're going to judge you for it, um, maybe they're not the right people for you. I would also love to say that the world is full of good people. And just because you've never spoken about abortion with your friends, doesn't mean that they're going to react badly. So say my friend, I think I spoke about it in one of the earlier episodes, like my friend reached out to me out the blue and was like, oh, you know, I've had an abortion. I feel really sad about it. I've been carrying it around. I've not spoken to anyone. She didn't, I don't think I'd spoken about it online to, or to her at that point. Mm. Um, but she felt like she 
just wanted to say it to me. And we had a really lovely conversation. We were able to support each other. Mm. You never know what kind of reaction you're going to get. But I would say the majority of people that love you will support and understand. And it's, you know, if I think about me, it's very easy to focus on the few people in my life that reacted badly. Mm. 95% of them reacted with love. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, that's really good. Coming back to the video, do you feel like, or not even just the video, every video you've done around abortion, do you feel like they've done what they're supposed to do? I think so. I think they've started conversation. And they've also, they've done more than that because I didn't realise how important the conversation was until I got the reaction. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is a really important conversation to be having and you can't get lazy with it. Mm -hmm. So I think they did more. Um, they started a conversation with people uh, that I feel like were receptive to it. Mm -hmm. um, and they showed me how much judgment there still is mm -hmm. and how important carrying on that conversation is. So, yeah, I would do it again. Will you continue to? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be at every March. I'll be talking about it online. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, you know, we all have those causes that are like close to our heart. Mm. It's race or, mm -hmm. you know, politics or... Women. But uh, abortion will always be one of those that I will be shouting about because I cannot live in a country where the limits get tighter on women. I, I, I can't live in a country where the, the, those rights are taken away. Mm. No, and when again, when I was doing the research and looking at countries in Africa, which is obviously a continent, out of the 54 countries, in 10 of them, abortion is not permitted for any reason. Mm. In 2022... There was a law passed in India that married women were allowed to have an abortion up to 24 weeks, but single women were only allowed to have an abortion up to 20 weeks. Because what? I suppose the logic there is, if you're single, you shouldn't really be having sex anyway. What is so the logic in we're that? We're going to make you suffer the most <laughs> because you should be hot on it and like you get less rights basically That's and so that law was passed in 2022 so no so the law in 2022 now is every woman regardless of single or married right. gets to until 24 weeks that is so right okay and that was only 20 up till 2022 that was still the law and this is the one that really surprised me anytime i look at like world news my first thoughts are india what are they saying about it and the caribbean what are they, those are my two areas because that's my heritage so i need to know what they're on basically mm -hmm. and the caribbean specifically i'm half trinidadian so trinidad was i was most interested in only permit abortion for women's health reasons right if their health is at risk right or, right but trinidad also trinidad saint lucia and saint kitts include when they say like women's health uh mental health so that was I guess good. However, I was still surprised that it's like not I, just any reason. It's not just 
no, you have to, it has to be deemed by a doctor as this is going to put the woman's health at risk. And if that doctor is anti-abortion, exactly. then how do they quantify that? Absolutely. Then their option is to travel somewhere where it's allowed. And you're wondering, oh, where is it allowed? There's only two Caribbean countries, which is Guyana and Cuba, where you're allowed to have an abortion without any justification right. up to the eighth week of the pregnancy. Eight? So how elitist is that? You're thinking you only really find out you're pregnant like, you know, four, five, sometimes six weeks. Mm -hmm. And then these women have to scramble together mm -hmm. two weeks mm -hmm. to afford a plane yep. and accommodation and yep. to, you know, live out there for, you know, you, you might be there for a week or so because you don't know how you're going to heal afterwards. Could or be cancelled. You don't like so many things. So elitist. And I was so surprised by that. But then I wasn't because I think about it and I think, and I know this is huge, like this is obviously going to cause a lot of upset, but I say what I say. Women overwhelmingly across the world are forced to have children, overwhelmingly. That then raises a generation of kids who were unwanted mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Their mum couldn't cope with it. They didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough headspace, whatever the reason. What damage do you think that does to that kid growing up knowing, intrinsically knowing, I was a burden on my mum. She didn't really want me. Sometimes they are told by their mum. Do you know what I mean? They can be so tired and at their wits end that they just shout it out. Like I've seen things where that happens, like maybe shows or experiences from people I know. That's not uncommon. So it's like, if you look at a lot of the, I guess, places and even like the family unit breakup and stuff where that is most common and you look at the kids who are the result of these parents who didn't necessarily want them or couldn't afford them or whatever it makes sense as to why later on in their life when they then start their own families they don't have the ability to either um, stick with the family keep the family together or put in the necessary work to nurture everything and whatever. And that's, you know, a worldwide thing. I'm not saying that just because of the statistics I'm saying about the Caribbean, but it really made me think when I thought, wow, there's actually countries that prohibit this altogether. Look at the state of some of these countries and mm -hmm. the populations and the happiness and the just the, the, the perception that people have of themselves. Yeah, and, then, and you've also got to think like when that baby's growing, it's soaking up all of that mm. as it's growing. Epigenetics, yeah. yeah, 100%. And in Antigua and Dominica, it's only to save a woman's life. Those are the only reasons you can do it. Barbados, Belize, St. Vincent, Grenadine allow or permit abortion for socioeconomic reasons. So if the mother can show that she cannot afford a baby, then she'll be permitted an abortion. And the worst part was in Aruba, Suriname, the Karakou, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, uh, Jamaica and the Dominican Republic, totally prohibited. Yeah. Not allowed one bit, mm -hmm. which is so shocking. Yeah. Because if you're not being taught about contraception, you're not being guided on like, you know, having sex and how to do it safely and stuff like that. Even in this case as well, rape incest like so many things and you're and no you can't it's prohibited i would love to know the stats on how many 
illegal abortions happen and how many women die in loads, those countries. Loads. Because that's but what you do. when you are hard to hold because yeah. they don't even get reported. When you limit abortions, you don't stop them from happening. No. You just force women mm -hmm. into to, to risk their lives, basically. Yep. And that's another thing that came through as well in all the research. In countries where the laws on abortion are particularly restrictive, there are more abortions happening. Of course. Yeah. And countries where the um, laws are quite liberal, there are less. Interesting. I think that is also due to the fact that if there are liberal abortion laws, chances are there's a bigger discussion and shameless discussion around safe sex, contraception yeah. and all the rest of it. Which leads me to another point, which is that you've got a question. How do I feel less shame about masturbating? Yeah, do you say masturbating? Yeah, what do you say masturbating? I say masturbating. Not in a... Really? Do you say bath or bath? bath? I say bath. Do you say... Mate, you don't say masturbation. Okay, do, you say, do you say grass or grass? I say grass. When I say nothing, I say grass. Well, there but we now go. I say grass. No, we've got you got that though, guys. I say masturbation. Is it masturbation yeah. or is it masturbation? I mean, I would never even say masturbation. I said wank. But... You say wanking, yeah. yeah. Wanking. So the guilt and shame about m masturbation, I carried that until I want to say a couple months ago. It's something that I very recently dealt with. I feel like this is such a topic. Swerve. Yeah. Swerve. That's what we do. Oh, but. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, I carry guilt and shame about masturbation until I'm 29 now, so into my 29th year. Uh, and I really had to go on like a deep dive journey as to where that shame came from. Who made me feel shame about masturbation, self-pleasure? And... I think that's maybe where you need to start. Mm. If you have you ever had shame with masturbation? I suppose shame, yes, because I haven't done it. Like, you know, growing up, like I didn't, that wasn't something I thought was on the table for me. Right. But no shame in the point of like, if I wanted to, I would kind of thing. Right. I'm more on a thing of it's just quite alien to me. Because, like I said, I don't think I was as early sexual yes. as you, for example. Right. So by the age when I started to want to have sex, I just had sex. Like it was, right. I was in relationships or I was actually having sex. So at that point, it didn't really figure for me. Right. And now I'm at a stage where like, it's just not something that I even think about because I have actual sex enough. Do you know what I mean? Not yes. to diminish the importance. And I'm sure I have got internalized shame over some other things with like, you know, uh, casual sex and stuff, because I'm such a person where I believe that I couldn't just have casual sex because I'm too emotionally attached to the person and all the rest of it. But I believe really the majority of that must be because I've been told so much that you shouldn't mm. have casual sex, you mm -hmm. should only have sex with one person and all the rest of it. So I've got problems, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <But> I, think, <laughs> oh, I got problems. Yeah, but I don't right. think around that as much, purely because at the time where I would have been most wanting to masturbate, I didn't have the inclination towards anything sexual. So like, but I have definitely got friends, the majority of my friends who have talked about this and like you know even accessing porn and feeling really bad about it and like this thing where 
they watch porn and they feel really shit. Mm. And I don't know if you feel shit because you've just like had a physiological climax, not from actual sex or because you feel shameful about watching porn. Yeah, interesting. The porn conversation's um, different, I guess. We'll get to that because I I, I relate. So how, how I sort of changed my relationship with wanking was a long process for me. Uh, but what I did was I started listening to podcasts, sex positive podcasts. Um, I've actually got a little um, list. Of, right. And quick questions are just before we go on that. It's mm-hmm. bloody fly. It's buzzing around. It loves us. It cannot get enough, babe. Oh. <laughs> did you, what I find interesting is that you started having sex or being sexual from quite a young age, but you were not wanking. Well, I think we maybe touched on it in the last episode. My early sexual experiences were not loving and supporting. So it was an abusive relationship. Mm. And so I was sexually active mm. for someone else. Right. Okay, it was exactly. never about me. Yeah. If that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. So like my own like self-pleasure journey mm. has really only started now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so these are the podcasts that I listen to, to sort of like, you know, start that conversation about self pleasure and get rid of like the stigma in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, Guys, we fucked. Have you listened to that one? No. But I've been actually wanting to listen to more podcasts. This is great. Okay. Guys, we fucked is bro. It's these two girlfriends that best friends and they just talk about all these guys that they fuck they get them on they chat about it they talk about one night stands they talk about the toys that they love like they are really great for um just talking about sex super openly Mm, ridding the shame call her daddy have you heard i have yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant she's she's kind of swerved a little bit away from it now but she used to have like a co-host early on then the show's changed but it was, you know, all about like her one night stands, her crazy sexual experiences. Then it turned to more like, you know, self-improvement. But there is still like elements of like, you know, her sex life and the toys that she uses. And she, again, speaks about sex in such a positive way. Mm. Um, Doing It by Hannah Witten. I don't know if you know her, but she was a YouTuber and she talked about, you know, women's issues like really early on before it was cool. Mm-hmm. And she speaks a lot about different toys and so she's she's again a really sex positive person and brilliant podcast and the last one is the sexual happiness podcast again really brilliant at just having those conversations about sex and wanking and just normalizing it for you because if you have guilt and shame it's probably just because you're not used to being in that environment where people are talking about it openly and normally mm-hmm. um So, yeah, that's what I would do. I would first figure out where that shame has come from. Who in your life, if ever, um, has made you feel ashamed about your own pleasure? Um, And, or was it, you know, was there a moment in time? And then once you, like, realise where it comes from, then you can start to change it by immersing yourself in sexual, in positive, sex-positive content. Nice. Um, quick question, all of those podcasts, are any of the hosts or people on it non-white? Yeah, good question. No, no, no. And I don't know about the Sexual Happiness podcast because I've never seen their face. 
But I would argue no. All right. So the two things. Podcasts are good exactly for that reason because I'm thinking of me when I was growing up. There was zero way I would be able to have that conversation with like obviously you wouldn't want to have it with your parents anyway but that's where all of your shame and all the rest of it comes from and if I was very immersed in either of my communities there wouldn't be able to have it there either and I know from my friends the only way that this really conversation comes up or even happens with my like black and Asian friends is when they've got to an age where they're like out of the home so like uni or somewhere Mm where they're no longer in the, you know, I suppose, incubator of their family to not feel that. So podcasts are great for that reason, because you aren't actually having those conversations, you're just hearing them. But it doesn't help with the representation factor, because you could talk to me all day long about something. If you're a white woman, I'm just never going to relate as much as if I was hearing it from a black or Asian woman. Yeah. So I guess from that perspective, I would encourage uh, women who are from ethnic communities to maybe sort out and send in, if you know of any, um, sex positive uh, conversations which are led by women who look like you. And also maybe start the conversation or accept that like the conversation isn't going to happen in a way that you would like or that is, I suppose, available to white women. It will just be a bit different. Because I don't think there is a reality where it can be where you just, you know, have that conversation with your friends and crack on with your day. Like, it's it's probably not going to be like that. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to happen at all. There is obviously other ways you can have this conversation, get information, talk about things. And I'm always really concerned about these communities as well because it's the lack of conversation, the lack of accessibility to conversation, which then leads to wrong information. Yeah. If you're only learning about sex and um, sexual health and even protection from like, like, you know, uh, old wives tales, really. My mum used to say that if you have sex on your period, you can't do this, for example, and you do have sex on your period and you do get pregnant and there's not even that starting point of conversation. What do you do? You know, and that's how then we get abortions that are unsafe. Mm. We get women who are maybe unable to even access abortion full stop. And then are left with a child that they didn't necessarily want and have to raise. So it's so important I make this plea to my sisters to really seek out that information. And also Maya's Minutes, that's what I'm here for. Like As I say in the beginning, this is the podcast where we speak about issues that are important to, important to me and my people. And that's what I mean. Like These conversations weren't around when I was younger. And um, if they were, they definitely weren't on a podcast. Uh, so that's why we're here. Like, that's why I'm here. That's why I do this. Even if I can't personally help you, I've got friends who have friends and we can work something out. So yeah, I think that is a nice place to leave this episode. Yeah. Awesome. Please join us in the next episode, which will be the final of the series. And please check us out on social media. Please check out Miranda's social media, which is at the bodyweight bitch. Yeah. And we will see you in the final episode. Thank you.